Hello, cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 312 of Cyclocross Radio. On the show, we, we set out to talk about Trois, which happened like two weeks ago, and then Dublin, which happened last weekend. And I, I guess those were just the, the jumping off points, which has kind of become the norm for this podcast, which I quite enjoy. And we just, we just go from there. Talk about cyclocross, everything that's happening. Uh, it's Michael and Zach. We're in the media pit. Uh, this episode is brought to you by, you guessed it, Hammerhead, Carew 2. It's getting to be the end of the year, getting into that gift, gift season. Um, I, I, I got a gift. I got a new bike. And the cool thing about uh, the Hammerhead and the Crew 2 is that I was able to make a new bike profile for my mountain bike. And, and then I was able to find the drivetrain right away and get that all hooked up and in there and uh, specify it to, to, to the bike and all the things going on in there. I'm a technical guy. That's gear talk if you can't follow along. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it was simple. And I went out there and ro- rode, rode some trails and uh, was able to capture all of that data just like I would on any other bike. And you can do the same thing too. And, and you can get the Carew 2 by going to hammerhead.io. And you can also get the heart rate monitor. And that will cost you nothing because you're listening to Cyclocross Radio. So what you do, you go to hammerhead.io into your cart. You put the Carew 2. You also put the heart rate monitor. And then when it says code, yeah, type in CX Radio, one word, CX Radio, and then and then it's just going to deduct the cost of that heart rate monitor. And then you check out, and you got yourself a new fancy computer. Hammerhead.io, code CX Radio. In addition to Hammerhead, this show is also brought to you by the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, where we would love your support to help continuing to do what we do as well as all of the other shows on the network if you go to wideanglepodium.com you can become a member of the podcast network and support all of your favorite cycling podcasts and support independent cycling media it still exists it's not a lot of us but we still exist we're out there finally go to cxhairsdistro.com buy a t-shirt they're they're running out but but I still got some left and and I, I want I want them gone. I want them out of my basement and on your body. CXHairsDistro.com. All right. It's episode 312 of Cyclocross Radio. We got Zach and Michael in the media pit. We're talking about Twa and Dublin, and we're doing all of it right now we're back in the media pit took a week off uh sort of an unplanned week off i'll 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 take the blame for that i was i was on europe time so sort of uh coordinating everything really didn't uh, work out great but that just means that we have more to stuff into this just action-packed hour of two world cups a national championship, some other racing out there. We can always talk about UCI stuff if we want to. We got a lot to talk about. Um, Bodie, how's it going? Great. 
Do you guys, uh, you guys, uh, look at my Strava at all this, this last week? Is this a flex? Are you flexing? I'm trying to bring up something other than golf. Okay. I want to. I, want I was going to gonna ask it. I was going to ask if you were like doing speed golf now and like mm-hmm. Strava-ing that. I Strava my golf this morning, but I have not tried speed golf. I'm I'm not at all skilled enough to do that. But I've watched some of the videos. It's pretty interesting, actually. They wear their little clubs on their belt and they run around. Yeah. Um, uh, I just want to say that I rode my bike 178 miles on Black Friday. Wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> Wait, what? Just, wow. What? <laughs> wow. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, Tour de Lac. I rode my bike around Lake Pontchartrain with two other oh, individuals. Oh, that's right. Did you do it last year or did you film it last year or take pictures? So, yeah, my friends have made this sort of race and I've taken photos the last two years. Yeah. Um, this is sort of a bucket list thing you do in New Orleans. And I've done it in the past. The first time I did it was like 10 years ago. But I didn't do it since 2015. And so I thought Black Friday was a good time to get start, you know, getting those base miles going for uh, next season. And um, three of us did the whole loop together. And it was pretty awesome. I've actually... So get this, guys. I've learned there's this thing. If you go on a bike ride and you inject this certain thing enough, that you, you'll, you'll, you'll do good. You'll do well. You feel strong. You won't bonk. Carbohydrates. I'm learning about this just now, 10 years in. You know, first it was power meters. You know, then it was like races, you know, the training Bible and, and learning how to race. No one included me into eating properly. All of that to say that I rode 178 miles and I was like, I think I could do 200. And then I was oh, like, Oh, uh oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, now I understand these like ultra events and these people who are riding these super long distances. I was like, I never thought it was like physically possible because I never ate enough and I just felt I'd bonk and I just lose all the energy. But if you just literally keep eating all day long, you can ride for a long time. Just light bulb. You know, it's never too old to learn new tricks. And Amanda Nauman is yelling at her podcast machine right now. Oh, I need to talk to Amanda because, well, I'll, I'll take it off air. I, I need to, I have some questions for her about this stuff. <laughs> Bill, what are we going to lose Bodhi to next? We're losing him. We lost him to golf. We're losing him to gravel. I think that's really what Bodhi's getting at here. I mean, what's next? What's the holy trinity of things we can lose Bodhi to? So it's funny because I, I asked my girlfriend, I was like, do you think I could ride 200 miles? And she's like, yeah, you could. I did it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You did Unbound. I was like, oh, I get it now. So, but also I will say, because people are probably yelling at the, you know, yelling at like, yes, it's flat. I literally, there's no elevation in 178 miles. So totally different beast. But um, yeah, so there we go. That's what I did, Bill. Zach Bodie Bodie wasn't kidding about Strava and his golf. It's it's a it was an insane round. <laughs> it was insane. It North was course insane. nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. I got my first birdie today too. So that was pretty awesome. Congrats! Thank Amazing. you. All right, Zach. Um, what's new in the world of volleyball? It's uh, a great question. We had the uh, clash of civilizations. You know. Uh, the result that comes to mind, uh, Kentucky in 2015 was 38-0. Uh, they pl- roll into the Final Four, uh, leave that Final Four game against the Badgers 38-1. and Not quite the same, 
partly our fault, but you know, Nebraska rolled in 27 and 0 uh, to the field house on Friday and they uh, left with 27 and one. Wow. Yeah. So I know everyone was, uh, it was very somber at, at Cincy because several people had watched the match and just weren't talking to me about it. So, um, but yeah, it was really cool. It was really loud. Like the crowd was great. I literally had a headache. Uh, it was so loud. So it was just a really cool experience to, uh, to get to go to that. Now we're into the tournament. Um, and yeah, uh, hopefully come nationals, that'll be the day after the elite eight. Hopefully we'll be playing the elite eight. Actually, Bodie, we, Oregon is the number two seed in our bracket. I was going to say, Oregon's going to be joining your conference soon. Yeah, so. well, they're joining our bracket. So uh, come Nationals, I don't know, check the Badger score uh, before you talk to me at Nationals because uh, it just, <laughs> you know, I might be depressed, Zach. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so that's so the National Volleyball National Championship is the same as Cyclocross? No, it's the Elite Eight is uh nationals okay but it's the saturday night so like i was watching us lose in the elite eight while doing cycling stuff last year in in hartford where if they make it to the final four where is uh tampa will you get media credentials and go to tampa uh i was offered the opportunity and i have a work function the 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 the, the, you better be there at the christmas party. it's like a wedding you better be at the christmas party even though you're not going to talk to a single person in upper management and like i got a little thing you know i got a recognition for my company so i think i have to do for the real job is that allowed as as a hobby blogger to actually do your real job you're you're on, on you're on like you have like legit hobby blogging and now you're moving into like secondary you you right. just kind of like up this to the next level wow zach i'm impressed i mean you have paid hobby blogging gig and now now you've just moved on to the volleyball i'm waiting yeah the the zach schuster's volleyball bulletin coming soon we'll see what happens zach i blame you because my Instagram algorithm fed me some jumping videos, like jumping technique. And it was all about you. Everybody sent me the video of this woman who can like jump out of the gym and spike the ball really hard. And so like I went down a rabbit hole for like 20 (laughs) minutes of watching jumping videos and like how to like plant your foot and like just really like shift the weight. And I just was like, Zach, this is all you. It's good for your explosivity in the sprints, Bodie. It's all coming. No. It's all coming full circle. You'll do some cyclocross again. I have faith in you. <laughs> I'm going to race cyclocross this weekend. So great. Hey, we got a lot of stuff to call, talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what we missed was Troyes in France, round four of the of the World Cup. So why don't we just use that as a jumping off point um if i i think the i was there got to see it um france was cool good trip we were there i was there mainly um well taking photos but also supporting the cxd u23 riders and then the our junior riders were all on the usa cycling trip so that's um that was that opportunity and um twa was nice i i i thought that was a i thought that was a well put together track had some 
pretty tough uh, features on there, long off-camber kick-push section, some really slippery other off-cambers, and um, uh, good good racing there. Do you all remember it at all? It seems like ancient times now. I do. I do because you kind of jogged our memory in the green room, and this was, that weekend on Saturday was Merck Splat, and it was sort of the... This was a weekend building up for Alvarado and where she won that race and I, and it was very muddy and she's running around. I was like, man, it's so good that like I'm actually kind of like that we don't have Puck and Femme right now because we're getting to see Alvarado at peak form. And I was like, wow, she's like a really good technical rider. She's a really good runner, like has like really good form. Just like I was like, oh, yeah, she's a world champion. This is the Alvarado we've seen before. And I was like, she's so much technically more technically gifted than Brand. Then go, we go to Twa, Puck's there. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Puck is a really good technical rider, and she's better than Alvarado. But she's younger, a little more rambunctious, kind of has the, you know, maybe kind of goes for it. You know, the Tebow send, right? I'm young, I'm gonna send it. And we are seeing Alvarado who is, you know, I guess she's she's not that old. She's only 25, but she's sort of the she's a veteran, world champion. And just her 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 tech skills are so are very close to Puck's, not the same level, but her sort of overall race sort of IQ or just like ability to put a like put a race together is more honed. And and, and we saw that happen. And and you know, and she uh she made she made the big statement. Wow, you were just going to get right to it. I, I didn't. You yeah. were just not even awake no. until I asked the question. Uh, I mean, just I slipping it in. I we are just we are we are the Oprah of podcasts here, just giving out statements. Like you get a statement, you get a statement. I. <laughs> I this is a new era of the media pit, and I, I let me let me and recenter you know myself like, here. But I knew that was coming. I 100 percent knew that was coming. That worked for Oprah, though, right? Like, that worked for Oprah that made her such a big thing was giving giving stuff away. Okay. We, I am giving out statements. It's going to work for us, guys. We're gonna, It's going to come back to us. We're going to grow. What's, what's more, what has devalued more in the past <laughs> five years? Statements or UCI World Cup <laughs> races? <laughs> Oh man, I, I I feel like that man. I feel like we could debate that for an entire podcast. <laughs> well, well, technically, the value has, of the World Cup race has gone up, right? Aren't they giving? They, they're well, they're, they're throwing they, more money the value, out there. The 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 okay. If you're a rider, but the value for the fans, you know, where you used to have eight, and now oh, yeah. you have like you know twenty, so going fourteen way down. or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, so it's just not. They don't mean as much. Much like your statement races. Okay. He said it. No, I think this was... Well, the other thing, you know, if we just want to get into it with Alvarado, the, the cool thing about this race as well, and, you know, it was significant for her. She um, couldn't walk like a couple, you know, three, four weeks ago. I think it was Moss Mecklin. She was having a, lot, a ton of knee pain, still overcoming injuries, and I think that she's finally... Oh God! If we're going to talk about statements, Zach, I think the only the only logical follow up is to ask you: 
is she back? Oh, I knew that was coming, and I've had these thoughts. Uh, I think that this is a prime... I didn't even mean to make prime that. Time? I did not make that pun, but this is a prime time to bring back some statistical analysis. Like, I can't make that statement. I mean, again, remember that the original... Lars Vanderhaar is back. That was based on science. Like there was good data behind that. And so uh, strong vibes, though. The vibes are that she's back. She's been racing really well. She's looked really strong. Obviously, she just completely stuck it to, to Puck Petersa uh, in that race at Trois. Uh, so I'm curious about this. I'm I'm very intrigued, and I'm curious what her results and whatnot have to say about that because the potential what is there. Is, what is her without looking what's her worst result of this Third. season yeah whoa so guys guys and I, and, and w- wildly in waterloo like the one race where you're like well nobody was there and that's her worst result yeah well what i mean well they Who were there, there? fam <laughs> and puck yeah yeah exactly well so zach i have the science i have the science to back this up i think there could be a strong statement made that she is in fact back um, she's one of four riders who have a 100% OPP. She, as Bill pointed out earlier, she has not gone lower than third. So it's her femme, uh, brand and puck. Also, she had a four weight race winning streak. I did not go back and look if she had a longer winning streak than that, but that feels like a pretty significant run and I'll, I'll go look right now. She's also first in the World Cup and also first in the Super Prestige. I none of this is con- none of this is convincing, Zach. No, I, I think it's more though. Like you need the, the you need the stats to show that she was gone. Like I think that was really the important part is like oh. that there's a like demonstrative like demonstrative evidence that for a period of time her results weren't as good as they once were, which we know we kind of know. So I think we're maybe I'm just answering this without the numbers, but I'm curious like. Is it perception? Because like, I, how, what, what what did she do last year? I remember her finishing second at World Cup Waterloo. It seemed like she was. We were saying might be back at that last point. Last like, year she was better. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think that she won. You know, let's see. I, I would say if you look at her results from twenty one twenty two, you could look at those numbers and go, yeah, huge change um, to now. Even though we're what? 10 well, races. no wins. Twenty one twenty two. No wins. A couple of seconds and a lot of dub- not a lot. This is the thing. She's never been finger quotes bad, right? I mean, she's always like we're we're quibbling over she's in a rut because she's getting from fourth or third to seventh, like for for a string there. But yeah, twenty one twenty two definitely uh, was when she fell off after just a phenomenal twenty twenty one. Yeah. So what were her stats? What were her podiums last year? I'm not looking, clearly. <laughs> Hit me. Is she her podiums, she got nine, sixteen podiums last year. How many wins? She's already she had five wins last year. She's got five wins this year. Ooh, okay. I mean, so like that 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 was she back last year? I don't think she was. So that's that's where I'm getting no. at. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. But you guys are providing no strong world, evidence. No World Cup. I mean, the the kids were racing the World Cups, right, and skipping the other stuff for a lot of the seasons. She had no World Cup wins. Yeah. Well, that's part of what happened to Lars Vanderhaar, right? (laughs) He was still kind of okay, and Wout and Machu were winning everything. So I think think we've made the case that she won the World Cup beating Puck. She is back. That is a statement. Boom. There we go. Great. All right. We're hitting all of the greatest hits. All right. Twa. I don't know what happened to the men's race. What happened to the men's race? 
Haley won. <laughs> Bill. Well, yeah. Uh, well, the the, the men's race you know, that was that was a good race. That was a race that it looked like. Uh, well, I don't know when we have want to have our lions discussion. It looked like Lars was 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 going to run away from this one. Ailey tracked him down, was able to stick with him. They sort of raced together for a while, and Ailey was able to. Um, uh, get a jump on Lars and 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 win it win it by ten seconds. Uh, this was a race that Uris Newenhouse was up there as oh. well, um, and had a had a pretty good race. Uh, so, is how how do, how do we how do we frame this conversation? Are the Lions the best cyclocross team we've seen in how long? I, I mean, it goes without saying they're the best cyclocross team right now. Is that a correct statement? Yes. Biggest, deepest, deepest bench? Yeah. I mean, they have like... Has, there, they been, like, has there been a... Aren't they like three of the top five in deep, the World Cup or four of the top five? Yeah. I mean, they're rolling. That's 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 the, the, the crazy thing for me is you have so many... Well, you have four riders who have won a world cup on the same team. Right. I, All right. So 2019 sauces versus yeah. the 2023 lions. I mean, first off you're already down to, so, I mean, you're so, so Ryan camp is your fourth there, right? No, no. You have Azer beat van torn out Sweck. Was camp the fourth? Camp? Sure. Who else was? Yeah. I mean, who else? They didn't have a fourth. They were only three. They no, were. They, they were. That's, three. that's what I was trying to say. Well, I, mean, I was trying to make it yeah, equal. Yeah. I get your point. Yeah, yeah. No, hundred okay. percent. Because you've got four men at the Lions who've won a World Cup at the best sauces that a three man team. But I think I'm gonna let me pull the stats for that team. All right. So all right. I like this. I like this construct. All right. So who is the top dog on the Lions? Right. <laughs> Yes, let's start there. Who is? Okay, well, I want to okay. go rider by rider. So who's matching up against 2018 Ailey Ezerbeat? Who are you putting up against him? So who's the, who is the Lions? If you line up, who is the Lions' right, top it, dog right now? What's the next? What's the next World Cup? What's the calendar? Flammaville. Okay, you got Lars, Tebow, Pim. Yours, yours. Who's who? Who just? It 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 just. I, I like Flavio. It's not a vanilla course, but I'm just saying a a standard cyclocross course. Not too much mud. Not too much climbing. Just kind of middle of the road cyclocross course. You got Lars, Pim, Yoris, Tebow. Who you got? Who's your leader? Who's your number one? I mean, isn't it Pim? Mister One has won two World Cups. I don't I know. Mean, yeah. <laughs> Supremacy, yeah, I'm in there. I'm on it. Okay, so who? All right, so all right, so we don't even know who's matching <laughs> want, up against. Wait, 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 before we wait, stop. Before we do that, I need anybody to pronounce this again. Come on, just you, you <laughs> didn't do it with confidence. I want you to just punch it. Let's go. I'm just, I'm really into the the Ron Supremacy. God damn it! <laughs> One more time. Take three. You got Supremacy. Okay. Wait, no, do the first part though. The 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 Ron, the round, the round supremacy. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna go David Fincher, we're gonna do hundred and twenty-three more takes. 
This reminds me of the uh, the scene at the end of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Gorla. <laughs> Say it again with feeling. Gorla me. <laughs> I'm laughing also, too much. All right. So, all right. So we don't even know who's up again. All right. Who is the better second banana? 2023 GC Lars or 2019 Mikey V? Oh, that's tough because I don't think I, Mikey V had won a big, the big race yet. I feel like. But he was, he was, he was, well, this he is was the problem. This is a problem because you, this is a problem because you have to like discount. Lars's history, right? I mean, this is like, what's the... No, but these are two teams. We're talking... I, I'm trying to figure out, though, the two teams. I think the two best teams that we remember, yeah. the no, no, Lions sauces I, and of these like two different incarnations. Is Lars Vanderhaar uh, Chris Paul? Is that... I mean, I've heard people say that I, his, he's never won a championship, has he? That's all I'm going to remember Chris Paul for is never winning an NBA championship. But he's now he's like, yeah. But this is he's on the Golden State Warriors. He's so old. But I think he may even be coming off the bench some for the first time in his career. Ooh, he's old. But he's still out there. He's still out there making making a difference. He's still still contributing. Still putting up W's. Just wanted to chew on. It. Okay. 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 So, I just want to point but, out, I, but that I wanted where I was getting at with 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 Lars's past is that I would say, but I was trying to think of who else was on that team that potentially Telenet Fidea was kind of the last super team. Ah, okay. That we had. I see where you're like, going with this. That like. Lars is the uh, aged guy who was also like winning. He was like the Bill Walton on like the, what was that? The 87 Celtics or whatever, where you just have like yeah, Bill Walton shows walk. up, but he's six man of the year or whatever. <laughs> I see where you're going with that one. But that's, that's, that's a whole nother tangent. Let's just, let's just stick with what we got here. Okay. I mean, I, so Ailey, Ailey has won. How many how many like World Cups has he won overall? Isn't he He's won one. Okay. He won And 12. he's leading now. So so what does that do to our argument here about better teams? I mean, Ailey is winning the World Cup. Well, as you said the World Cup is devalued, Bill, so maybe the individual wins are uh, <laughs> stronger and it's about getting okay. those okay. those dubs. He's also winning the Super Prestige. Yeah. <laughs> I think Ailey... How's he doing in the X2O? I mean, I think Ailey has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, right? I mean, Van Turnout is just not... Was not good earlier on. He was good at Euros. Now he's hurt. And frequently, he's finding himself, like, having to do it alone. I mean, look, even at Courtrike, he's like, hey, I'm going to play the perfect teammate. And he found himself still having to do it by himself at the end and winning the races. And so I think it just seems like he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, that he is... Because he's getting ganged up on, like, Tone Arts used to get, right? He used to be, like, three sauces just, like, beating the crap out of Tone Arts. And, you know, Ailey was part of that, and I think he really benefited from it. And now he's on the, you know, the shoe's on the other foot. Do, do, we, do we feel like that's deserved? Like, are we, like, we're okay with that? Or are we, are we do we think that makes Ellie, like, a more, like, sympathetic character? 
I mean, I think it, it makes it more interesting. I mean, it's it was yeah. deeply uninteresting when the sauces were just kind of like ganging up on people. I think that got kind of old pretty fast. Um, I mean, I didn't like it when when Lars had a battle, Mikey V and Ellie at Koitrick this weekend where they ganged up on him. And I said, don't pull that shit. And then they did. But, you know, Mikey V fell and yeah but the lions are throwing i mean look at what happened then on sunday you know i mean you have like a world cup winner just throwing out dummy attacks and just like you know he's just the the yeah he was the michael van turnout of the the when the sauces were good right van turnout would go out hot and then the lions would have to chase him down and then ailey would just be chilling there and they're, they're just throwing guys left and right who have won world cups as like the designated domestique for the day are you talking about uh, GC Tebow? Yes. Bill's like, that's my, by God, that's my, <laughs> that's my beat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So to answer the question, I think this might be the best team that we certainly of the time that we've been doing media pit and watching cross and covering cross. I mean, the lines are so deep and there's guys like Pim Ronhar are really stepping it up. I think, you know, we were we were assuming right that Ryan Camp was going to do it, or you know, someone else. These these people that the the Sauces had signed, and we're like, well, when are the Lions going to step up? And then Pim's finally like, hi, I'm here. You know, they have Tebow. Yours is a nice piece, like to add who can win races, and then you've, you've got GC Lars. And on the women's side, they've got Brand and Shireen when she comes back. So. Like pre-stacked. Can we talk about Pim Roanhar for just just a minute here? You gonna say it again? You gonna say it again? I'd love to talk about the supremacy. (laughs) Oh, it's getting so much better. (laughs) (laughs) So when he won Dendermonda, was this? It was a surprise, right? Can we say that that was a a surprise for him to win a World Cup? Is that or? I, I want to say yes, but like he won, what do you want? Trek Cup, right? This year? Did he win Trek Cup? Go he, look at Pim Ronhar's results. I know. He's been I like, know. Oh, dude, bro, has been all, he is the poster child of right. inconsistency yes. of like, and not like Lawrence Sweckian inconsistency where he finishes eighth. We're talking like 14th, 11th. Uh, and right, we're, you, he, you were saying that's the reason he, he's not the World Cup leader right now. Yeah, it's like first in Dendermonda, 17th in Troyes, and then first in Dublin. It's kind of, yeah, it reminds me of my golf game. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, so I, I think. I guess my point is, yes, Bill, he, he was very inconsistent. And last year you said he's winning World Cups too. I would have said, I wouldn't, like, no, that, that would be crazy. But I guess what I'm saying is it reminds me a bit of Tebow, who was sort of that way last year, and these two writers of both similar ages have stepped up. And so it kind of seems like a progression we're seeing uh, with Pim. Um, and I, I, I think that, like, I'm, yeah, I guess I already said that he's the top dog on the Lions. And I want to ask you guys if you had to start a new cyclocross team and you had to pick from Pim or Tebow, who are you taking? For cyclocross. This is a cyclocross team. Yeah. That's really hard. Because on one hand, you have Tebow, who, you know, we can talk about Tebow. I think uh, Zach, Zach has some 
some theories about Tebow's season. Uh, but he's definitely shows that he's one of the strongest guys out there, one of the biggest like powerhouses out there. But I don't think he's a committed cyclocross racer. I think this guy is more focused on the road. So you have that on on one hand. You have a guy you you, you know can win. Like if you're just saying Pim or Tebow before Pim was like the World Cup leader on the <laughs> biggest team without being the World Cup leader but having the most wins, I don't know how to explain it. Uh you you'd obviously pick Tebow. But when you look at them, if you're, if I'm a team manager and I'm looking at marketability, then I want Tebow on there because he's the bigger name than Pim Ronhar. If I'm a Belgian team, I'm assuming we're starting a Belgian team. So am I going to lead it off? Am I going to do the Sven and pick a, pick a Dutch rider like Lars Vanderhaar as my number one rider? Yeah, you're definitely over there. You're not, yeah, not starting. But to I think if, if I'm just going by. I want cyclocross results. I want somebody in it for the long haul. I'm pick. I'm picking Pim. So we're buying. We're buying Pim Stonk, despite the because he has finishes of like eleventh, twelfth, fourteenth, and seventeenth this year. Uh, so I, even even with the recency bias, you guys are you guys are buying Pim Stonks long term. I don't know. I I think it's a tough question. I I don't I don't I'm I just I mean look at. Tebow's results, 27th at Neil, you know, he, but then, yeah, he's not had a, a result after that below 7th, not counting DNF. But he's got the, uh, you know, Tebow's got the back issues flaring up, and I think, you know, as a back end, as injuries suffer, we know that those always are tough to deal with, and it's been something that's plagued him in his career so far as, you know, he's only 21 years old or whatever, and you know, the results from this last weekend, the report was that he's, his back problems are back. And so I think that that's, I don't know, something to keep an eye on. Clearly when he's healthy, he's like pretty elite, but I don't know. I'm concerned. I'm concerned because it's stuff that's plagued him previously and really kind of held him back, I think, in terms of like reaching his potential as a cross racer. Yeah. No, and it's it, you don't like hearing about Tebow having back problems at 21 is is not good. It's not great, like, and and that only makes me think of the recent article where Vanderpool said that he might not have much left in cross. And yeah, I was I was going to bring him up as a guy with a early knee and a back problems who seems to have still done okay. He's done okay, you're right, but like he's sort of now at that age where he's like, okay, I can do the road, my back doesn't hurt, but I can do cross. And I can hurt my back. And I've already won five world championships. And like, so. I really think it's reading that article or just seeing that news. What I would think is going on with Vanderpool, because I think this has been his whole career, is that he's going, he truly is just going to do what he wants to do. Right. I mean, we, we've kind of seen that. Vanderpool just decides what he's going to focus on and then he goes and focuses on it and I think he you know kind of came to the realization that he's just not into cyclocross anymore he's done it he's got nothing else to prove how many world championships does he have now five five that's kind of the magic five number elite. right yeah well, seven yeah. is the magic number yeah but it's like I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I, I will always go back to the Matthew. You just have to show up at Mount St. Anne and you will win the World Cup in the mountain bike. And he's like, nah. 
don't need it. So I, I, just right. don't, I don't, I don't feel like he's a record books kind of guy. Like I think he wants the achievements, you know, like he, he, he wanted to win Flanders. He wants to win Paris Roubaix. He wants, he wants those big achievements, but I don't think he's a guy that's like, I need to break the record for the most this or that because let's, let's be honest. He could show up and win worlds. Maybe he will. Uh, but at the same maybe time, he will. but at the same time, he of the quote unquote, you know, the big 2.5, he's doing the most comprehensive cycle cross program this year. So despite that, yeah. like he's the one who's committed to doing the most races and he's the only one racing through the world championships. But uh, maybe that's part of, to your point, Bill, uh, that you're hundred percent right, that he does what he wants. He's like, man, I don't really need, I, I, I assume he's doing mountain bike Olympics as his goal. Um, yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah. But he's like, man, I'm Matthew Vanderpool. I'll just do this and still be in good shape to do the other things. And I'll probably beat Wout uh, repeatedly in the spring classics and it'll all be good. I, I also, for, for personally, I don't begrudge him for doing, I don't begrudge any of those guys for doing that, especially since with Wout and Matthew, we're never going to match what we had with those two. And those are such great memories and such great seasons and such like a, a high point for the sport of cyclocross when those two guys were going at each other, that it's like, that's awesome. We, we have it. I'm not going to be one of these people who are like, Oh, it's just, you know, it's sad that they're not back and not doing it. And that's, you know, because we, they don't do it. They don't do it now. They're, they're just kind of like dropping in whenever. So it's, yeah. Well, and I kind of, I tried to make this point in my bulletin post, like, and I, I didn't have like the right language while banging out a, a post, but I, I just feel like that sprint at Hoogerheide after that season that we watched where it was truly competitive, where we saw really some of the best cyclocross races that in recent memory performed by two of the best cyclocross racers ever. Like what, what could they do as an encore this year? It's just not going to happen. You know, I, I really yeah. truly feel like last year was this crescendo you know, Wout was improving. Vanderpool was coming back. Wout was beating Vanderpool. Sprint finish at Hoogerheide. Yeah. Like, it would just be, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I, you win that first championship and you're like, I, you can try to win this. I no one ever wins a second champ. You're never going to recreate last winter. And I, I would just go back and probably watch the races from last year. And, you know, if I need to watch something. Except that yeah, I mean, GCN Plus is gone now. So anyway, hopefully they're on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that, that's I'll say it again. This is this is my 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 take this year is that we don't need them to come back. We have a good field in the men's side specifically right now, and we've had great racing. We get to talk about uh, not neat, nice versus Pim and who are we picking and the great like Lions team, and this is like pretty exciting. This is kind of new stuff for us, and yeah, you're right, you're right, Zach. Like in. It was a crescendo of a season, and it ended in the way it always ends, right? Vanderpool beating Wow, and like why? Why do you, yeah? You, you, there's nothing you do about that anymore. Like that's just it. <laughs> why gild the lily? Yeah, I mean, I think um, right. There was that sense because like, there's a lot of folks out there in Wout Nation, and I, there was that sense that like this is the year. And at the end, it yeah, right, yeah, folks. I was on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was mean, there. people were saying this is the year, baby. This is the year. And like you said, it was just. It's funny that that sprint was this crescendo of a it, really the end of a crescendo that ended in the the same result. So like 
why is there any reason to believe that this would be? Why is there any reason to believe that we could have that run of four races during curse period? I mean, you're not going to recreate that. It's just not going to happen again. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm okay with it too. All right. Okay, so that was Twa. That was Twa. I was like, yeah, okay, we're done, we're done with we're done with last week, two weekends ago. Which I think we brought in every other race as well, which was perfect. This is the kind of conversation we should be having around that. I was just looking to see if there's anything really uh, else not- not- notable in Twa. You, you know, we talked about Alvarado beating Puck, Lucinda Brand, third in that race, which I think a little foreshadowing. Uh, with with Lucinda uh, coming back and um, yeah, should we just move on to Dublin and sort of finish out our World Cup talk with uh, that race? Yeah, I mean, I I was telling you guys this. I was, you know, there were Bill. You were talking about the course in terms of how it was designed. Was that in the green room? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't record that. Uh, well, we'll talk about the race. Uh, yeah, so like, no, I, I can talk. I, I think it is. It's an interesting thing. This is a D- a Dublin World Cup. Uh, I, I'm glad that this race exists. I, I, I'm excited for Irish Cyclocross. You know, they they started with a a, a UCI race a couple seasons back. Talked to Glenn Kenning for a while. I think was behind bringing that to. Ireland and getting that started and that sort of has built into this uh, World Cup that is now taking place at the Irish Sports Center, which was kind of a kind of a fun venue, sort of going uh, uh, around rugby fields and, and equestrian tracks and stuff like that for this this race. But it was it was kind of this. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Different. It's a different setup. It was it was a weird thing because you you were mentioning Zach that it didn't look like it's the normal thing. It didn't look like a ton of people were there except for maybe one section of the course. And and I think that's that's right because this course was end to end. It was a hike to get from one end to the other, and and it was sort of odd in that you would go out and that's to say i think that the the riders like this course i think it was a challenging one there wasn't anything like super technical on it there was a little off camber section and some running and it got wet and slick and muddy which i think helped uh but it was kind of funny because you went down and you had like these spurs like you would go by pit one and then you go down this really long spur and then go around a little lumpy lollipop and then back down it and you go over the planks and then you would turn left and you go down another Spur almost like cul de sacs. They're like different. This is the suburbs. This was the suburbs, right? We had like urban cross. This was suburban cross. <laughs> and you would go down to that cul de sac and then turn around and then you do the sand and then you do uh, go through pit two. And all of that took place kind of in this center area where you had your food vendors. And, you know, that was, I think, supposed to be the sort of the central section of it. But that's not really where the exciting stuff was because after you went to pit two, you sort of snuck between what just these big brick walls and you kind of like left the venue and then you, you jumped up this off camber section. And that's like where all the fans were just like hanging out on the side of these rugby fields outside of the main part of the venue with like 
one food vendor out there that I'm sure made, and a beer vendor who I'm sure just made a mint. I hope they're all owned by the same people because if not, that guy like had to pay like somebody under the table to get that spot because that's where everybody was. Uh, and, and then that part was cool. And they'd sort of go around and they'd do these off-camera things and these muddy run-ups and that kind of stuff. And then they would just shoot off to the start, which was also kind of outside of the venue, and then go back into that other section. So I think that there were a lot of people at this race. It was just that they, almost in an American-type a non-Belgian-type way, other races haven't figured out how to just crowd everybody into one small section so it looks like enormous crowds. That's, I think the, the Belgians, A, have a lot of people at the races and B, are very good at sort of making sure that they don't wander from one main area. So that, that was, that was, that was basically what I was sort of my course breakdown. Did we get, so I know they were saying they got like 8,000 fans last year. Did you hear anything about the attendance? Cause I, I will say, I thought, and you mentioned that it was raining during the women's race. I thought the crowds looked pretty solid during the, the men's race. Uh, yeah, they definitely came out for the men's race. I think a lot of that did have to do with uh, the women had pretty much a downpour for most of their race. It was sort of gray and misty uh, during the whole day. I mean, even in the morning, there wasn't any precipitation at all. It hit the most during the women's race, and that was a little little lingering during the men's race. Um, I, I think that there were probably less people this year. You know, if we look back at last year, it was their first year, which we know from the U S is always going to be your biggest year because, you know, we've talked about it many times. You don't know if it's coming back, right? You got to go, you got to go that first year. It might be the only reason. I mean, the, the people in the UK can tell you this, you know, Milton Keynes, uh, people can tell you that it may not come back ever again. You know, I, I think they're hoping that next year they get London, but so far, no more World Cups. Uh, so there was definitely a little bit of a downfall, I think, just because of it being a second year. And then the biggest factor is there was uh, this guy that was there last year named Wout, and um, he wasn't there this year. And I think that uh, even even your Belgian race organizers can tell you that uh, Wout brings in the people. I mean, so I, yeah, so I'm glad that you explained that. I was going to tell my joke that I shared with you guys, but I felt like you know, there, there was this, this shot of, you know, Brand off the front with Alvarado behind her with no fans. And so you had Brand and Alvarado with no spectators, you know, at this particular moment with Brand really recycling the, uh, the Betsima 2000, the Betsima pandemic playbook of like, I'm just going to go all out and catch me if you can. So I liked the, uh, I liked the, the homage and the throwback, uh, to, I don't know, an interesting period when we overanalyzed, I felt like cyclocross was like the only thing in our lives during that, that horrible winter. And we overanalyzed and just lived and died with everything that happened during that winter. So it's kind of interesting, but it's also great to see brand back. Um, cause Bodie, you kind of alluded oh, to it. Um, she was, uh, not super great at was that Merck's Merck's boss where she uh, she yeah. was riding the struggle bus riding the struggle bus a little bit, um, you know. And Bill, you've made the point that no one rides her way into a season. No one needs to ride her way into a season like Lucinda Brand. Uh, and I thought she looked great. I mean, it was a great strategy. And you know, prime time was not able to catch her. And 
it wasn't the best racing, but it's it. Brand is someone you know that you want to see racing well. She's just been a great cyclocross racer. She's been a great you know champion for the last five or six, seven years now. And uh, you know it's good to see her healthy and and back racing well. Well, let's let's speaking of the course that Bill discussed, I think this was a course for Brand, right? Like it was wide open. There's not a there's. I can't really think of remember one remarkable feature, a thing that's like, oh, that's the Dublin course. It's just turns and a little bit off cambers and wet and muddy. And like you said, Zach, she went hard at the gun. And there was a, it was kind of cool because it was like a giant group of people all racing together in the beginning. But that because the course was so wide, they weren't like next to each other. They were just kind of spaced out nicely, like COVID protocol. Funny. Um, but yeah, but yeah, you said brand, brand just motored away in like a perfect brand course. And Alvarado didn't race the Saturday before in prep and then was looking a little like labored at the start of that race. And I, I you know, we've talked about this before. I feel like Brand must be a fan of the second day. She's the second day legs because she raced Koitrick and then came out hot in uh, in Dublin. I think Bodie, I mean, just throwing this out there is a, because uh, you've been a role. If you're not following Bodie at Lansoffly on Twitter, he has been crushing it. Uh, I just love the stats. I'm always smashing the retweet button because I have like nothing to add. Just it's like perfection with what Bodie's doing. I would be curious about an analysis of who the true second day racers are. If there is a variability in results for certain riders on day two. Oh, interesting. Okay. Could be hard though, right? Because you have the World Cups; they're a little bit higher profile. But I don't know. I would be curious uh, to see if there is like a way, you know, kind of like measuring. We talk about like is a player clutch, and that just turns into a debate, right? Like you'd be like, oh, this person is clutch. Well, do you have data for that? No, they're clutch. You know, is this person a day two racer? Caught the I mean, uh, Scott mem- Scott Funston raced a French race on uh, the Saturday before Twa, and then did. You know, Trois as well and did pretty pretty well there. So I was gonna say you could call it the uh the Funston. The who is you know the Funstons? The awards for the the best day two racers. Who's the happy fun ball? Who's got the happy fun ball energy? The fun stat. All right, I like it. Oh well here I I won't go. Although although he didn't he didn't race he didn't race on Saturday because there was nowhere to race before Dublin and then he finished sixteenth, which was uh Really good result. So he was top American. <laughs> Is he the only American? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, no, it's good. Yes. You, also, someone's got to be the top American. I, the question that I want to ask you guys actually really goes to, I mean, I guess this is partially related to this. And I was going to come up with a question, um, you know, one of the who do you pick kind of things. We've had enough of those. Like, Looking at Saturday's result, like, what's your take on Puck Peterson? I mean, last year, like, she's getting beat left and right. Like, are we concerned? Are we concerned, you know, that she'll be able to to match Van Empel? Is, you know, is she just playing for the – I don't know. I don't know. What's going on? What? Do you do you think they have an agreement? Do you think they have a – now they have, like, a cyclocross mountain bike agreement? Like well, Femme, Femme says she's not doing mountain bike next year. <laughs> she's like, Buck, it's all you. Uh, I'm going for the road. I think, Zach, 
these are these are questions. I'm I like these questions. I am also concerned. Small data set, three races, all on the podium. Um, I don't know that we need to get too concerned yet, but it would be good to see all of them together, at least Puck Femme, Alvarado, Brand now that she's back in shape and kind of kind of see how that shakes out. Like who's getting fourth there when they're all three together? Uh, but the fact that we're ago, even having this conversation and that you're putting Puck true. in that conversation is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, she's been on the yep. podium, but like she lost to Brand, right? She lost to Alvarado. She got smoked by Van Empel at World Cup Waterloo. And it's just like by this last year she came, you know, and it's probably a lot to do with the mountain biking, but she was competing for wins, you know, this time of year. Yeah, it was like peak, you know, this was during like the peak of Van uh, Van Empel's like winning and stuff. But like there was a demonstrative gap in the fact that we're even like, could Brand beat Puck Peter? So like, that's wild. Like, that's kind of what I'm getting at. (laughs) But you make a good point. You make a great point, but it's also what I'm getting at. You all, you know, I know, I 100% agree. You also make a good point, and we need to see them together. That's that's a thing. Um, I don't know what her schedule is next. Uh, so, yeah, so we heard that, like, uh, I think Puck is ta- maybe taking one more week off, and then she's going to be hitting the World Cup pretty hard and doing some of the cursed period races. So I guess we'll be seeing her more. Uh, and she's had some time. Uh, you know, she had a crazy long mountain bike season, and she's definitely had some time off now. So hopefully we'll see her get back in the swing of things and uh yeah like you said it's like even when when we don't have like van empel there it just seems like someone is stepping up to kind of like win these races pretty demonstratively so it'd be cool to it'd be cool to see some bangers out of the elite women in the coming month dublin men uh yeah well let's first uh, at least uh so we talked about brand we talked about alvarado zoe backstead having a quiet pretty awesome season she finished third um yeah right around alvarado i mean only uh six seven seconds back in dublin so definitely um definitely the standout u23 in the bunch yeah i mean she was with the ones who still race in the u23 category (laughs) yeah she on dublin there was a moment where i thought maybe Maybe Marie, actually, maybe uh, Sarah Casasola was going to catch up to Backstead, but it kind of seemed that Backstead saw that and turned the jets a little bit and was able to sort of, you know, make sure that Marie didn't get any closer or Sarah. But uh, yeah, Zoe Backstead's second overall in the elite standings in the World Cup right now. Very consistent. I'll just throw it out too. Seventh for Megley Rochette. Like, I think that's her first race where you're like, good. Okay. You know, her results were outside the top 10 in the first three races that she uh, did during her trip over there. So um, really awesome to see her in seventh and, you know, getting closer to riders that she should probably be beating and beating, you know, beating the riders she should be beating. So hopefully uh, that is just a function of like getting settled and, getting into the swing of things uh, during the European campaign. Um, you know, cause you look at some of the other races and it's, uh, you know, that was a far cry from racing some of the bone dry <laughs> races in America. Uh, and even the wet ones, you know, it's just a totally different beast in terms of like how sloppy and sloggy uh, these European races can be. Yeah, no, that's a, that is a, a good point. Anything else? We've kind of talked about PIM here winning, 
winning the men's race and um, well, yes. I mean, I think yeah. men's the, race was the a great banger. part. Of, the men's race was a banger, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. and like so, I I texted you guys before this race. I was like, you know, are we buying or selling on Tebow, or or how are you feeling about Tebow? Three laps in, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, the P- Tebow stocks were at maximum peak. You wanted to sell at that point because he was he was fast, he was out the front. And then like two laps later, you wouldn't be able to get rid of the, the, the stock at that price. Um, but, you know, we had him off the front. But I think sort of the, one of these, we had like a multiple stories in this race, which is great. And we had this end resurgence of Lawrence Sweek. I've missed him so much. This is a character we need back in the races. And he did, he gave us some entertainment, guys. I mean, that that was an amazing comeback. And then for Pim to, you know, find, to sprint, out sprint him at the end was, uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, I, it was, I mean, it was, it seemed like a good decision. I, you know, he made a decision, right? Like Lawrence, made a decision that he was going, he was going to win. There was no sprint before the f- sprint, unfortunately, but he was going to just try to drop him. Ronhar. There was that mud bog. There was the mud bog that really was like Ailey's downfall. <laughs> Poor Ailey, you know, where, when he was with Pim, like Pim was extending his gap every time through that section, uh, you know, and you could just tell like Lawrence went all in. And when Pim was on his wheel, he probably did one of those things where you just look back and like drop your eyes and you're like, you know, <laughs> It was clear he had nothing left. Uh, you know, I think people were trying to make it out to like, you know, some commentators or whatever. The, the UCI, like, oh, that Lawrence just made a mistake and didn't see Pim. It's yeah. like, no, he no, was no, not at all done. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, he he fired his last bullet, getting to Pim, going around him, and that was the play. I like it. Could be the move. Could be the move. It's, it's kind of a Tebow move, you know. Go for it. Yeah, if anything, the the your sprint before the sprint, but it really wasn't. Was that whole off camber section with the run up and everything else? But even once you came off of that, which we saw, you had a minute of just like muddy but rideable power section before you made the the turn for the for the sprint. So it, it did it did set it up for. You know, you weren't able to be like, if I get to this spot first, I'm going to win. You're exactly just reiterating what you were saying, Zach. There, there was no sprint before the sprint. You know, you could be first or second there, and and still, you didn't know if it was close. You didn't know who was who was taking that win. So that, if that was the plan from the course design, it set up perfectly. Yeah, and I kind of like that. I mean, I think that logic. You know, I think you could you could Sunday morning quarterback. Monday morning quarterback, Monday morning quarterback, and Monday say, morning. well, Lawrence shouldn't have made that valiant all-in play. But I don't know. I kind of, you kind of like to see that. Like, try different stuff. Like, don't necessarily. Maybe he what felt. Maybe he knew that he didn't have it in the sprint, and he was hoping that with that mud bog, you know, he is he is the Sandman. Hopefully, he was can take advantage of that. Pim though was phenomenal in that section with his power. Uh, so I just I like to see it. You know, hasn't been around. I don't know. I just come back to like uh, uh, Alexei Vermillion said this. Like you said, you should bet on yourself at least once a race as an athlete. And he was like, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to try to do this. And I appreciated that. Um, I had the really big disappointment, though. I was getting ready this weekend. 
meme. I was so ready for it. I was even ready to clear it. To, you know what? It's been so much a rough year for our guy. I was this close to declaring it this weekend, even though he finished second. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. <laughs> it was great. It was so great to see Lauren Sweck back. You, you, you don't want to rewind and just go with the opportunity that he finished second. <laughs> you can have it. Yeah, that's brilliant, brilliant, Bill. I want to say one thing that was kind of just funny about this race was because Tebow went out early at the front and was at the front for for the first half of the race. There's this great shot where these like get the long lens foreshortening the riders and he's coming towards us and he is completely clean the front of him because he's been in the front the entire time. And then there's this massive riders behind him, slightly out of focus. And they're all just muddy all over. It was like, he's being chased down by, I don't swamp monster mud people. And it was just, it was just a beautiful moment. And I had to, I had to chat about it in the bulletin with, with folks. We had a good little discussion going on during the race. And I just, I, I love stuff like that. Just like, yeah, he's, he's been in the front. He's not getting anyone on. him. was great. Anyway, just want to point that out. Swamp monster. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and okay. Other than Lawrence Weck, I mean, we're, do we got anything else we want to talk about in Dublin? Cause I'd, I'd love to just quickly, since we had a national championship, talk about Canada. I know we had North Carolina as well. I don't want to like completely forget about North Carolina, but, um, uh, yeah, Curtis White, doing the thing, Carlo Manny doing the thing. Kerry Werner showed up. It was good to see him. If, if he shows up, it seems like he's going to get on a podium. So I think that next week we can uh, really dive into that race a little more and also what it means coming into Nationals, which is two weeks away. But since we already had a Nationals, uh, let's talk about that and, and Canada. And we talked about it last week or two weeks ago about the Holmgrens coming in with a plan. Is this the, uh, the Jersey maximization, uh, program? Okay. Yeah. They're, 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 they're all looking for jerseys. Well, I mean, not even the Holmgrens, just stimulus or, or Bea and it, it seemed to pay off. So your elite Pan Am champion is now also your U23 Canadian champion and your elite Canadian, that would be Isabel Holmgren, and then the women's elite champion is now the two-time defending Canadian champion, Ava Holmgren. And then on that same Stimulus Orbea team, uh, Ian Ackert won the... U23 race over uh, Cody Scott and Owen Clark. And then in the men's elite race, the guy that uh, I think we were all introduced to in cyclocross, even though he's been out there racing some cyclocross before, but you know, this is, this is us, not him that we weren't familiar with uh, Evan Russell, who just showed up in Missoula, Montana and was like, who's that guy in the green kit and <laughs> had, had two really, really uh, uh, good races that weekend. 
Zach, he's now your uh, Canadian national champion. How do we feel about this? <laughs> I feel like we need to get to know the young man. I, we've got like, <laughs> I, I, but this is like a thing that's been happening. I feel like Canadian cycling uh, for so long, it just felt like it was like, it was Mags and, and Vandenham. And we're really seeing uh, across the board, right? Uh, Raphael Carrier, your junior women's national champion in Canada, like, smoking everyone on the domestic scene this year you had you know luke yeah. valenti kind of like show up and start to drop results i think ian ackert's a guy that we knew about but like i don't know it just seemed uh, uh Janaya francis Janaya francis sorry uh coming out finishing fourth like competing for podiums a rider that we hadn't really known about before so i, I guess you know bill I, I guess we run a website and we have the podcast i guess we should probably start to get to Get to know get to know your Canucks. I don't know. We need a new series. Like get to know a Canuck. I like that. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I do like that. I will uh, give a shout out to Luke Valenti, who we've seen all year long, who's been up there in the podium races for all of the North American UCI races. Nineteen years old, legit U twenty three racer, race the elite race. You know, was was right up there. Finished uh, finished second. We had um, Tyler Clark, who was the reigning Canadian national champion, uh, came in third. And then what I always love to see, Quentin DeSera. Got to get your mountain bikers. And then one thing Canada is known for is having, having the mountain bikers show up for, uh, show up for, for cyclocross national championships. So, uh, Quentin DeSera fourth place, you know, Carter Woods, fifth place, Tyler Orschel, sixth place, a whole slew of, uh, mountain bikers in there. But, uh, yeah, looks like, um, Good things happening. Some some maple maple leaf uh, jerseys going to different people. So it looked like I didn't. There was not any coverage of this race, but I did see uh, one little bit of video from the national championship race, the men's race, where Luke was leading, and he had a big time chain issue where oh, okay, his bike was like on the ground, and it was like a painfully long time he was trying to get his chain out, and that's when Evan passed him. I don't know at what point in the race that was, but it it seemed like maybe that would have been, Luke would have been close. Um, but Evan came out the next day and won uh, the Bear Crossing race, the C2 the next day. So Evan Russell has also debuted himself, not only in the, you know, Canadian national championship jerseys also on Bodie's streak tweets. Uh, so congrats, Evan. All right. What else can we talk about? I don't know. We're at an hour. Do we just need to start throwing stuff so we can do our depressingly now our 90 minute podcast that we've like just been sliding into or not. I think we should just, I think we should just end it. I think yeah. Let's uh, everybody go look at uh, Katarina Nash's social media and respond to her what you think uh, um, should happen to the to the World Cup. If we Wait. start talking about that now, we will be here for the next two hours, so we're not going to. The races are too damn high. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Less races. All right. Uh, awesome. Uh, we will uh, talk at you all again in a week, where we're we're gonna we're gonna be talking. Uh, U.S. Cyclocross National Championship previews. How does that sound? We're going to have to do predictions. We're going to have to do previews. We're going to have to bitch about the course. There's going to be a lot, a lot to, a lot of traditions to uphold here. 
And there's one more other, one more UCI race happening this this coming weekend too. Nash Dash, uh, Zach, you have a bulletin email about that. So yeah, great interview. Actually, super fun. Uh, Mike Barman was is the race director. Love to see races. You know, he's love to see persistence. Uh, he's been going to meetings. He's been trying to get on the calendar for five or six years now. It's finally happening down in Georgia, about thirty miles south of the airport. Head over to the CX Hairs Bulletin. It's actually a free post. So even if you're uh, not a uh, paid subscriber, it's available to everyone. Wanted to get the word out. And uh, it was a fun chat. I enjoyed talking to him. And if you get a chance to talk to Mike down there, he's quite the character. So Awesome. Well, go to Georgia. Go race that. And we will see you all back here next week. Eat your carbs.